Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Noisy Women the podcast. I am sorry that there wasn't an episode on the 14th which was the dreaded Valentine's Day. This was meant to go up then but I had a bit of a hectic week the week before. To be honest the whole of February generally has been pretty hectic in my freelance life and I just didn't have time to send the track to my editor Al to edit it so I'm really really sorry because I really wanted to get this episode up but I didn't want to push it and I didn't want it to be not good enough and the day just kind of slipped away with me and I've actually deleted Instagram off my phone for a few days because the whole thing was making me feel very overwhelmed and very stressed so I didn't update anyone that there was an episode so again I'm sorry. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. It is with the delightful Sarah from the band Pillow Queens. They're an Irish band who have just released their debut album and are honestly taking the world by storm. They were on James Corden a couple of months back and to be honest, I'm genuinely shocked that I got to talk to Sarah and we got on so well. We talk loads about different women and non-binary artists you should listen to, about like the rising music scene in Ireland, We also talked about how Pillow Queen's band have been integral in kind of changing this disparity gap, especially noticed during the pandemic and how Irish radio stations weren't playing enough women and non-binary artists. So Pillow Queen's played a role in helping to change that. And it's really exciting to actually talk about everything they've been working on. They released their debut album in Waiting in September and it's done incredibly well. They self-released it and we talked a lot about how they kind of released the album without a label behind them but we also talked about how exciting it was for them to do all of the like merch orders and the vinyl orders themselves and how personal that felt. I really hope you guys are looking forward to the episode. I also really hope that you're all keeping okay. I know I've been very overwhelmed. Hopefully things will be returning to normal whatever normal is at some point soon but I hope this conversation helps you escape a little bit from whatever's going on and offers you some insight into Sarah's world in the band so yeah I hope you enjoy and I'll catch you guys soon bye I'm really excited to chat to you because um Amy who I think is one of your PR people emailed me and put you forward for it and I was like oh I haven't had anyone do that for the podcast so that's really nice and then obviously I saw the stuff you did with James Corden and I am like one of the biggest James Corden fans and I was like and I was like that's so cool so I got even more excited to chat to you then absolutely oh he's actually really lovely I don't know what I expected because he does seem lovely on TV anyway but uh yeah no he's he's really nice guy I think it's because like he's got from doing Gavin and Stacey I'm a hardcore Gavin and Stacey fan so I think from growing up like literally I know probably know all the episodes off by heart and so then when he went on to do other things it was exciting to see him actually excel in those other things and like now that he he just genuinely seems like a nice guy and I watched the interview and I was like oh he seems really nice (laughs) he was like chatting to us before we went live on air and he was just so complimentary of us it was really sweet it was really really nice do you feel a bit like what's the word like blown away that that's happened because I know in Amy's email she was really like I can't believe it. I'm stunned. So how do you feel? I'm like still honestly in shock because like they emailed us before Christmas out of the blue. We hadn't had any communication with them whatsoever. And then they just sent us an email saying, James is a big fan. He'd love to have you on the show. And we were like, 
James doesn't know who we are. Don't be ridiculous. Um, so we thought it was a prank for, or like, I guess until it went on air, we thought it was a prank. Until, like, James Corden was sat opposite me on the Zoom call. I was like, this is a prank. Somebody's gone to extreme lengths to make fun of us. And that's what's happening right now. And then he was just, like, sitting across from us. And he's like, Sarah, Pam, how are you? And I was like, uh, uh, oh, okay, this is actually happening. So then I just had like all my nerves at once because then I realized it was actually real. But that was probably the best way to do it. That's that's nuts. Yeah, I think if I ever received an email like that, I would just be like, no, that's just yeah. not true. Like mark a spam and just move on. Yeah, it's one of those things. I choose what listening to a podcast yesterday about this girl who had received this email about like doing this on like running her own online course in Madrid and she thought it sounded just too good to be true. So she deleted it and put it in a spam and it wasn't until it wasn't till some a friend of hers said she had the same email and it was true two months later that she was like, oh, it was real. I need to email them back. Because <laughs> like, you just don't think that kind of thing is real. Does that mean that all those emails I've gotten from various princes over the years saying that there's money waiting for me in an account have been real and I've missed out on my opportunity? Oh my God, imagine. That would be amazing. <laughs> I think we'd all be so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> That would truly be the best time. I get, I, someone has definitely found my email because I, there was a period of time when I used to get at least four emails a day about dating sites. I've now moved on to Bitcoin and I get Bitcoin spam emails daily. Um, Hotmail's pretty good with it though. Like they do go in my spam. So I don't have a really cluttered inbox, which is good, but also Mm. very annoying that I have to keep clearing out these dating and dating and Bitcoin emails very regularly. I get a lot of like sports shops emailing me, which is absolutely not my brand. Like I got <laughs> bombarded with kind of like running ads after Christmas, like, you know, January is time to get fit. And I, you know, I sort of considered it, but not enough to actually click through any of the ads, but they've still been bombarding me being like running shoes, running leggings. I don't know what you need to run, but I'll, I don't need any of them because I don't run. <laughs> not in need of any of those items because it's just simply not 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 an item you need I need several jumpers that's what people need to be advertising to me it's just oh same in winter you need to be advertising nice comfy clothes not and scarves and hats definitely not you just don't need don't yeah I hate that I hate that mentality that the world is is the like new year new me Mm -hmm. it's like no you can be the same person that you were yesterday like it doesn't it doesn't matter it's just a new year I probably start running in like I don't know October or something like I would I just go against it just for the sake of not going along with all the advertising campaigns that are being sent to me so yeah nice (laughs) I agree strongly with that statement I listened to a different, what's the word, interview that you had done and I got the gist. So were the other three already part of a band and then you were the late edition? So they were they were in other bands. So they knew each other for years. Um, but Pillow Queens, I started with Pamela and then we got the other two girls on board. So yeah, that was like 2016. But that's like the three girls, Pamela, Rachel and Kathy, have all been friends since like... 2005 or something ages so like mm-hmm. old school friends yeah old school friends. and then I'm like the newest edition so no I did but wonder I wasn't sure if you like already I wasn't sure if it was like already a part existing mm. band and people were added or what so that makes sense have you always had an interest in music has it always just been is it been the thing you've always done no not really I think for me I didn't really grow up 
with music in my house. My parents aren't musical. My older sister is not musical. And even kind of, I didn't do it in school or anything like that because I was quite, I was encouraged to be more kind of academic than artsy. So I never took any creative subjects. Um, so I came to it quite late. I think I started playing guitar when I was 15 after hearing like terrible mainstream indie on the radio. And I loved it. And I was like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. This is great. And started playing acoustic guitar um, and just kind of went like fully into it from there. But it meant that I had all of these like experiences with music so much later in life. Like I discovered Simon and Garfunkel last year. And everybody else is like, Sarah, this is you're kind of late to the party. Uh, most of us grew up with this. What's wrong? Um, whereas like I only kind of grew up with very small amounts of Frank Sinatra playing in my house. Yeah, no, that I think I think that's a fair enough point though, because some people just don't have musical parents. Like my parents, yeah. I mean, I don't really understand why I became interested in the music industry because you no, know, I used to play a lot of musical instruments and I was very interested in like musical theatre. But my parents, my dad is not musical at all. My mum, I guess, like likes the mu- likes musicals and like a very niche Queen and Abba music taste, and that's probably about it. Um, but I don't, I don't, I think a lot of people have had that background. I think it's the general consensus is everyone has musical parents, but mine weren't. Yeah. No. No, mine are the same. But I think like it's it's a good basis if you do have like if you've grown up around music, especially sort of like interesting songwriters kind of like Leonard Cohen or Patti Smith or you know you know interesting songwriters I think that can really shape how you write but I think the fact that I came to it a lot later means that like my writing style changes all the time just because I'm so open to it being shaped by things that I'm coming across so late. Do you do most of the writing or is it a group like effort I guess? It's a group effort definitely when we started um, myself and Pamela were the kind of main songwriters in terms of we would create the bones of the songs and bring them to the to the girls but I think since we've we started renting a practice space that we've kind of made our our own and since we have that place it's been a far more collaborative effort so and I think actually that's what's shaped the sound of Pillow Queens is the the live element coming to it so if I write a song if we write a song along with drums there's kind of that energy within the song from the beginning whereas if you write a song on an acoustic guitar you're kind of adding the energy later which is sort of a tough thing to do but yeah definitely like the four of us well and truly have our stamp on each song now which wasn't always the case I think that's really nice though to be able to look back through the album and be like we all wrote this rather Mm, than just being like this person wrote it and we all worked on it to be able to be like we all did this is even it must be even more rewarding it's even like from the other side of it so if I had written the song or the bones of a song and then I had to speak about it that's a very kind of like vulnerable place to to start from whereas if you're writing if you're speaking about a song that you've kind of co-written with three other people it doesn't feel as emotionally vulnerable I suppose yeah yeah I get get that I get that and I feel like as well having a space that you can stamp and be like we make music here this inspires us and because we have a place to work in that is in our homes because I think a lot of people fall into this like and I feel the same that I work and I have a separate studio space for like my work which is great because it means that I'm not working in my house and there's it feels a lot less personal I guess and you must feel the same by having like a rented studio space yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's still 
like I do like to write songs acoustically on my own and or like at least write parts of songs acoustically on my own but then the actual like creation of a song that we'll put out into the world only really happens when we all get together yeah obviously you've just released your debut album that was in September so it's not just I mean it's been a few months but I've listened to it and it's it's such a good album it's such a good album and all of like your style online is really lovely I think there's a really nice feel about your band how did how did that come about and how long has it been to kind of work on that process to be really proud of the first big release Mm. yeah I think when we first started the band we had no idea that it would become such a serious project for us but I think we all had the same goal that we wanted it to be a serious project we just didn't know how feasible that was so I think when we initially released the demo that ended up being an EP I guess before we even played our first gig we were hoping that it would be received really well but we had no idea if it would be so when we played our first gig and people were singing the lyrics back to us we were like this is a really good sign this is a great starting point and even at that point we played a gig with like four other amazing Irish bands that we really loved and admired and really liked the vibe of what they were doing so instantly we felt a part of a community that really kind of helped us to learn and grow at our own pace so I think it was only when we started working with our manager that he was kind of like you need to start thinking about an album we were more focused on the live shows we wanted to just play gigs tour do as much as we could but um our manager was kind of like yeah but the album is like a solid piece of work it's just like the first step in like a long journey and it kind of just shaped us a little more having that goal so when we had the album in sight then we started working on it like the whole vibe of us online is very much us and that's been a really kind of freeing part of being in the band is that we didn't have to create a brand or we didn't have to kind of decide okay how are we all going to dress and like what's what's our manifesto and what do pillow queens stand for it's very much just we are like four friends and we do have a lot of the same beliefs and interests and that's been really easy but I suppose navigating the music scene as a whole that's probably the more difficult part I feel like if you're making stuff you love with people that you love it's always going to be, well, a walk in a park to an extent. Like it's always going to be easy if you, you've you kind of come up with an idea and you're loving what you're doing so much. And if you're making music that you all love, I guess an album just kind of made sense at the time. And also, yeah, it gave you that long-term, that longevity and long-term goal. And also, so when did you start recording the album? Because obviously 2020 was a, was a weird year, as we all know. So obviously touring was basically off the cards. So was that, how was that process basically during 2020? So we'd released, we'd recorded the album in 2019, actually, and we finished it at the start of 2020. We had to do like some final bits in kind of January, February 2020. And then the plan was to take the album and go to South by Southwest with it because we were booked to play there. So we had kind of meetings booked for, you know, plans with labels and distribution and booking agents over there. And then obviously that got cancelled because that was right at the start of the pandemic. So it meant we had to sort of go back to the drawing board and decide what we were going to do with the album, whether we were going to sit on it and wait until the world opened up again. But when we decided, it was actually a very quick decision that we decided we'd just do a self-release and see what happened. So we set up our own record label to do that. And it was the best idea we had because it meant that we were busy during a time that we could have been really banging our heads against a wall. 
and we weren't we were kind of focusing on like what font is going to look good on the record sleeve and you know what record stores do we need to be in contact with so that we make sure that on the release day they have it and like really engaging with our audience as well because we had like a listening party of the album to decide on the order of songs and which songs would make the album and that was really nice because it felt like we were you know part of a community again which we kind of felt removed from because there were no gigs so that sort of sparked that in but I think yeah deciding to release it ourselves was the best thing that we could have done. I think so weirdly despite the world being completely upside down and backwards the best came out of a bad situation like it actually it, it ended up being the best situation and I guess actually knowing that process of how like how to self-release and getting like an audience involved is only going to help with future releases yeah absolutely and I think like it would have been obviously it would have been amazing to get a label involved for our first release because that would have you know proven our credibility or whatever but in a way now that we've done a self-release and the album's been really well received and it's done quite well and that you know we've gotten on American TV from having released our album and we did all of that and that feels really special the idea that we've kind of like created a team around us it's a small team but it's a great team of like super dedicated people who really care about the album and it's really nice that we've seen that whole process evolve whereas I think if we had have gotten a label on board we would have been like wow that's amazing but how did you do that because now we know that's cool yeah it's almost taken the matter into your own hands and now it's like look we've done it once we can always we always know we can do it and we yeah. can I think almost like you can be so much more proud knowing that it was all you guys like you were the face and you did it all and there's and must be like an element of just yeah you must be just be so proud of yeah like getting on James Corden for but you release your album yourselves like that's so cool amazing no we're definitely really really proud of it 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 took what could have been a really terrible and boring year and made it like one of the best years we've had just in terms of like what we achieved yeah no completely I feel like there's a lot of a lot of things in 2020 that will leave in 2020 but <laughs> there's a lot of people that also and I feel the same just you if you could work around it and kind of t- make the matter the best of a bad situation like I think they're the people who have really excelled and actually are still kind of plodding along and haven't kind of fallen by the wayside, I guess. And if you love something enough and you work hard at it enough, then yeah. hopefully it will pay off. And that has been the case here. I read online as well that you're, you've had like a really prominent voice in the gender disparity report and also you're part of like the Irish Women in Harmony. So I'm guessing like women music is a big topic amongst you guys. And obviously it's the whole point of this podcast is the fact there's not enough women in the music industry. Can you talk a bit about like how your personal experiences perhaps or elements that you just you just want to see changed? Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing, like it's funny because when this conversation first started, well, my awareness of this conversation first started, it was very much based in kind of like anecdotes. Like people wanted to hear stories about how a sound engineer told you to change your amp settings or it's somebody you know made a comment that was objectifying or something like that and that does happen but like you could kind of deal with that if it wasn't also so glaringly obvious in like just general statistics that women are not getting the same platform as their male counterparts um and just even in terms of like i never saw being a musician as a viable career option by any means when i was growing up I slightly do more so now, but I've had to like really convince myself of it. And I think it's just the kind of encouragement that that women are given 
across the board not even just in in creative industries but like it's very much so women have a role still and that role is like to kind of stay within a box and if women start stepping outside that box it's perceived as chaotic it's perceived as bossy or bitchy or you know crazy or whatever all these words are that are only ever assigned to women and it's disappointing because we kind of feel like we've come so far but at the same time you kind of encounter something every day that you're like oh no we still have this unconscious bias that men are more powerful or like better in certain circumstances than than women and it just feels so archaic but like definitely in Ireland I was I was floored by the gender disparity report because it was just showing that like there are so few particularly like Irish musicians supported at home female Irish musicians so the even the radio stations that do give support to Irish acts which there aren't that many put their focus on male musicians and that's really disappointing and it's funny because I was floored by the statistics even though I lived that life like I know that we don't get the same radio play as men who are doing the same thing that we are you know and it's it, it's kind of like I'm not sure if it's a respect thing or if it's just a perception thing or it just feels like women kind of have to work harder in everything that they do the Irish Women in Harmony group was set up off the back of there being like quite a lot of support given to male Irish musicians at the beginning of the pandemic and the same support not being given to women. So the group was set up to showcase the fact that there were a lot of Irish women who were working in music as, you know, this is what they do professionally. They're not just doing it as a little cute hobby or whatever. And we did a cover of Dreams by the Cranberries and it got tons of radio play, got tons of recognition. It was great. Mainly it was great because it showcased how many women are actually doing this. And that was only the tip of the iceberg. Like there's tons of women who, and and non-binary people who are not being showcased that that are also making music in Ireland. But it was great that there was already like, I think it was like 40 Irish artists that were just like picked in an instant and then like were able to record this song from their homes and it got yeah, like tons of radio support, tons of TV support. Hopefully it's not just like a drop in the ocean sort of thing and people will forget about it again. Hopefully it has opened up a conversation. I saw that through, I'm a follower of Orla Gartland and I saw, oh, great. I saw that, I've shot a gig for her before and we chat online. I saw that cover through her yeah. and it was actually before I discovered you guys, but it makes a lot of sense because I thought you looked really familiar when I that, and I thought you all sounded familiar when I first discovered the album and that makes a lot of sense now upon like discussing it but no it's really cool it's it's that's so like great that things like that are made to help support but it shouldn't have happened in the first place that men were receiving more support in the pandemic than women and non-binary people so they have to set up a counter thing to show that like that shouldn't have to be an issue anyway and that's the kind of I don't know that's the thing that really seems to just I just I just hate I just don't get it I don't get why we have to make counter why there has to be a counter argument why can't it just exist in the first place yeah it does feel I hope I'm not just being being cautiously optimistic it does feel like it's changing like I know growing up I didn't have a ton of musicians that I could look up to that I was like oh I see myself in you whereas now there's people who are even like on the same level or like coming up or much younger than me that I'm like, oh my 
god if I had you when I was like 16 if I was able to look up to you and be like maybe I could be more like you when I grow up it would have changed my life it would have like I wouldn't have spent so long trying to look for a real job I would have just done what I wanted to do from the beginning yeah so yeah I mean I think it's great I think there are like a lot of amazing non-male musicians coming up at the moment which is brilliant I completely, completely agree with that. And I think also across the industry generally, because I'm a photographer, like I'm a music photographer. That's how I kind of like founded the podcast. And I've noticed it a lot more when, when I was, when I kind of stumbled into the music industry five years ago, whatever it was, I was like, there's there's no, there's, I was like, I can't see myself represented at all. And as I began to research more and I, I fell in love with it more, I found more women and I found like more people that I could see myself represented as. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm not just surrounded by dudes all the time, but I still get comments about the fact that I'm not a dude. So there is still a, there is still a gap, but it's not as bad as it was, but there is still a slight gap. Kind of like when, when you're getting on a train and the, the gap is slowly, is slowly closing, <laughs> but it's not, it's not quite there yet. It's a bit of a jump to get on it. Yeah, we still have to mind the gap. <laughs> yes yes have you got any advice for anyone who feels disheartened like you were saying and feels like they have to get that real job to not get that real job and just to keep working for the job they actually want yeah it's a difficult one because there's no way I could have told my old self this advice I wouldn't have listened so I think the main thing is to not be hard on yourself kind of do what you have to do because sometimes you do have to get that real job for a little while in order for it to be feasible to actually do what you want to do and that's fine you're not like turning your back on your dreams or anything like it's always there and if you are just doing it on the side when you can in your free time that's also fine because I think the main reason to be in music and the music industry is because it's so good like it's so great I love music I love everything about the industry and it's kind of it's worth it it's worth kind of tipping away at that job that you hate so that you can kind of do it in your spare time until a point where hopefully you don't have to do the other thing that you don't love as much and you can kind of do it full time but like I think just make the space for it in your life if you can because even if you do have that boring office job or whatever music can be so freeing and cathartic and really just good for you it's like the most mindful thing in the world I think so if you can find the joy in it then do yeah I think I also think that a lot of musicians and people who work within the industry don't talk enough about the fact that they probably do still have that part-time job and that side hustle and they especially due to the pandemic like most people I talk to have had to get a different job but not many people will openly put their hands up and say like look this is actually what I spend my days doing but I do the rest of it because I love it still and I think that's probably one of like the the most like think it's just it's just never spoken about and I think if you have no idea where to start and you think that all these people that this is their life you can never see yourself doing it because you're like how am I going to get to that point that this is this is my entire life but for most people it's still not it's still only like probably 50% of their time the other 50% they have to do the boring office job and if you yeah. love it enough you'll you'll just keep going until it is your whole life totally I don't even think like it's not a marker of success or anything like I mean we all have day jobs in pillow queens we all work and 
then in the evening time go and do a shoot for US TV like it doesn't make sense it's just more of a marker of like where the industry sits and like the supports that are available and like just literally how musicians and people in the music industry are being supported it's not a marker of success or how well you're doing or whatever so just I don't know do what you have to do yeah I would completely say the same we all have to do things we don't like honestly everyone I think everybody I've spoken to in this entire season has a day job I'm pretty sure so it's like I just don't think people talk about it but 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 you can have another job (laughs) you're not you're not failing if you have to work another job otherwise we'd all be failing and that would be very sad have you got a little little shout out time any women and non-binary people that you want to shout out who you think are just absolutely smashing the game who you love they can they can be fellow musicians or they can work in some avenue of the industry it's completely up to you I have like straight away when you say it I get like so excited about like particularly Irish musicians I just feel like there's so much happening here at the moment it's really cool there's a band called Banrian which is a an Irish word but they're absolutely incredible really really cool and like again much younger than I was when I started playing music in any sort of like band capacity so I'm like I love this so much I wish when I was younger I was doing this it's so cool there's just like tons of energy behind it there's a great band called Sprints who I think are going to be massive they're getting loads of BBC Six love at the moment there's a band called New Dad from Galway who I only became aware of in the midst of the pandemic and I'm so excited to see them live they're incredible there's a lot of like really cool songwriters as well I love there's Jackie Beverly who's doing great things my best friend in the world Alva Reddy who released an album a week after we did and we've got this whole like Blur Oasis rivalry thing going because we're both nominated for a choice prize award in in Ireland and we're like but obviously not (laughs) but um yeah there's like I don't know there's tons we toured with Soak in 2019 as well and they're just like I think they're the reason that we have started to really push ourselves in terms of what we can do and we can achieve and ideas for like touring internationally like we never thought about doing that and then suddenly we were in Europe on a tour bus with them and and we're just looking at what they've achieved and it's just amazing and we're just like we want to be like you yeah I am also discovered new dad through BBC I think it was BBC Radio 1 oh cool I was just driving home one day from work and this song came on and that you've reminded me because I completely forgot it had happened. But yeah, I was listening to the song and I was like, this is so good. And it was one of those annoying Radio 1 things that it doesn't come up with what the song was. And now you said it, it's like struck that thing of like, oh, that was the band. Because yeah, I just listened to it and I was like, this is so up my street. How have I never heard of this before? Yeah. And the same with Soak. I've listened to loads of Soak over the years one of those bands that like I come in and out of love with like mm-hmm. I kind of like fall in love with and then I forget about and then I'm re-reminded yeah. and then I listen to more and I still love it and oh, I just love music I just miss it mm-hmm. every podcast I end up just going like oh I just, <laughs> I just miss it man so much <laughs> literally every week is all I say is oh I just yeah. miss it man so much <laughs> what's been a true highlight for you there's a lot of things we've mentioned that are pretty big so what's what's been the best it's so hard to pick one Releasing the album was amazing because I think we had always thought we'd never get to that point, especially because we kept getting it kept getting pushed back for whatever reason. So actually releasing it and 
reading reviews which we promised we wouldn't do but we literally met up the night of the album release and we like read through our reviews which is a ridiculous thing to do but they were so lovely and nice and the album was just kind of perceived in the way that we wanted it to be so that was really thrilling for us the tour with soak was a highlight because we got to play in so many new places we got to play in much bigger venues as well like in the uk they were playing much bigger venues than we'd ever played so it was that was really cool and then yeah i'd have to say the james gordon thing like it was just so surreal like what on earth are we doing on us tv it makes no sense whatsoever but it's great and hopefully that there's more of that kind of thing in our future because it was brilliant yeah i guess as well that's gonna really help you guys like almost find a niche with american listeners hopefully as well because it's a that's an amazing way to break into completely new territory through tv and i think that's that's just really cool yeah even in terms of like the like a lot of being in a band and maybe it's just because we self-released but a, a lot of a lot of it is convincing people of you so you're like oh this is my band and we've done x y and z you should listen to us or you know consider bringing us on tour or whatever and having the us tv angle is very convincing people are like oh okay you're quite credible then you've been on this you've done this you've nominated for this you've toured with this person like it's it's nice to kind of add to your band cv yeah it's nice to have that added extra bit in your spotify bio like yeah, look at these other cool things we've done <laughs> That actually why did I not like that <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love reading people's Spotify um bios because some of them <laughs> some of them are just like they you just never would never know half the things that have happened in people's careers at yeah. all and I think sometimes people play it down of like some of the cool stuff that's actually happened mm. so I read so many and I'm just like but you've probably done so much cool stuff but it's just not in there and I'm not going to know until I like deeply research you and yeah. I don't know maybe that's that's maybe that's a piece of advice please always state what you do more because it's really helpful yeah I don't know each to their own I guess with the album because you self-released did you do like all of the sending and everything yourself like did you completely take control of all vinyls and the whole distribution process pretty much yeah so we had definitely for so okay we had both we were selling from our website so all the pre-orders went from us and we kind of packaged and posted all of them which when we decided to do that it seemed like a really cute idea we were gonna you know personalize every envelope by the end of it it was just like a factory line and we were like passing them to each other we're like sweating it was just like piles of records we were running out of envelopes we got we had a really great relationship with the woman in the post office by the end of it like it was tougher than we thought um, but we also had gotten a distribution deal with a uh, distribution in the UK. So that really helped it. So it meant like there was a whole territory that we didn't have to send things to. But like by the end of it, we were posting things to like America, Japan, Norway, Iceland, like Australia. It was like that was cool. To be able to see the like postage labels and be like, OK, this is. And like, I think it makes it a lot more real when you do it. And I've just released a load of merch for the podcast. And like that was the back of last year. And like physically sending post to America. I was like, you what? Someone's yeah. bought someone's bought a T-shirt and wants to pay £10 American postage. Like what? You actually want to do that? But like, <laughs> I think it makes it so much more real when you have to do it. When when someone else says like, like, oh yeah, like we posted that thing for you to this place. You're like, oh, but it doesn't really feel as real as when you're like looking at that postage stamp and you're like, ah, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. It's amazing. Cause I think you like, when we were selling merch at a, 
at a gig and like that's when we get to kind of meet people and talk to them and when somebody buys an album or like buys whatever we were selling an EP or a t-shirt or whatever you're so grateful that that person like wants to part with their money and there's kind of that personal element isn't really there with online stuff but it is when you're selling it because you're like writing the person's name and address and you're like sending a little like love heart xopq at the bottom of the envelope and you know you're packaging everything and it's like god you really want this you paid like 20 euro for this this is really nice yes you paid paid it and then you paid the shipping that's the bit that always gets me when people pay for international shipping i'm like whoa you really care yeah because shipping vinyl is not cheap no i'm not surprised (laughs) you have to get all the insurance on that what's your favorite thing out of everything that being in a band involves what's the thing that you just love making or doing the most I have the most boring answer to this but I love the admin of being in a band like I adore checking things off my list that I have to do like I have to update the website this morning tick I love that it's the most rewarding thing in the world like obviously touring is amazing but it kind of feels like it just happens and it's an explosive feeling and you're like you kind of get a bit lost in it because you're kind of like meeting loads of new people and like traveling and you're so tired and then you're asleep and on a bus and there's so much hummus everywhere and you kind of just get lost in it but like to actually sit down and like write out 40 dates that you're going to tour in the next three months or whatever and like just to list them on the website or whatever and the idea that so much has gone into that so there's like a booking agent involved and the promoter and then the tour managing and all this kind of thing like I love the behind the scenes stuff I love it it's so boring and the, the other girls would be like Sarah that is the worst answer please don't say that but genuinely I love that part of being in a band that's I mean you've got if you like websites and spreadsheets you've got to do what you've got to do I spent so long trying to get a real job I'm just very good at it <laughs> yeah I spent so long looking at that spreadsheet I may as well be too good for something I like my time working in tech has helped me <laughs> oh definitely I, I do think that like all these weird jobs that we all end up having because we can't make the real job the job we want yeah. as actually it does all help in the long term like even if you're working some shitty office job that you hate but you're doing spreadsheets that might that might help with if you become a tour manager and you need to make more spreadsheets yeah I would love that I think if I wasn't like in a band I'd love to be a tour manager yeah same that's something I've always thought of to be like I'm very organized I just don't think it would be fine if you were tour managing a band that were quite like low maintenance. Mm. But if you were tour managing a band who were just a pain in the ass, yeah. imagine trying to get everyone out of bed to be like, we got to go. You just, exactly. just wouldn't happen, would it? Actually, I'm late to everything. So I'd probably be a terrible <laughs> tour manager. <laughs> so am I. So maybe we should go down that <laughs> career route. We do. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should try out some other things I've also the idea of management's always been I've always thought it's quite interesting I think yeah. managing and like helping a band basically achieve what they want because I can't exactly make music so it's nice to help someone else do something yeah. um I think that side of the industry is really cool too yeah me too how did you meet your management I met him through I knew him before we were in Pillow Queens anyway but I met him through he was in a band with a guy that I worked in a cinema with nice <laughs> I've known him for years and then we played like a showcase gig our second ever gig was like once to watch festival in Dublin and he messaged us on Facebook just being like what's your stage time 
think it's like a real he said like what's your state like it was all really small <laughs> capitals and everything it was just like he was trying to be cool and uh we met him like four or five times just to chat and after a while somebody was like you know he wants to be your manager right and we were like no we had no idea why he kept meeting up with us like we genuinely hadn't a clue but he kept just being like so what's your plan what are your goals and we were like, just thought it was a chat every time oh. and then eventually we were like hey James do you want to be our manager he was like I'd love to be your manager oh that's such a, like a nice and organic story yeah it was really lovely he's the best he's the best he's put up with a lot because we were very stressed last year about the album and he's like it's gonna be okay it's gonna work out don't worry about it and he's always just really believed in us which is lovely yeah I think you've just gotta surround yourself with people who all believe in the same thing you do and want the best for you and yeah. if there's a someone if there's a rotten egg it's all gonna go pear-shaped but if you if you if you have like those relationships that are just so wonderful you may as well keep and hold on to those because they're the ones that are going to help you end up with the long-term goal because yeah. you're all after the same thing at the end of the day Absolutely. I think that's been like one of the greatest things about James like joining the the project or whatever is like he had a lot of those people in his life already so like our booking agent for Europe he's worked with for years and he knows really well he's a great relationship with like different people to do PR with us but like everybody who we work with seems really invested in the band and like we could hang out with all of them and like we've had points with most of them and they're just like a fabulous team of people it's not like you're kind of working with a load of suits that are anonymous that's not happening at all that's really nice so it's just like yeah friends that sounds you could have a big old zoom party yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i asked the same three questions to everybody at the end the first one is when we can go back to gigs and you can you're in a venue what is the first thing that you want to see on your rider? What is the first thing you write on your rider that you want to have in a venue when you go into a green room again? Like, I miss surviving on on hummus and crisps. I do. I truly do. There's like something happens. You become superhuman when you're on tour and it's all you need to survive is like hummus, crisps and a warm can of beer. And I kind of miss that life, weirdly. I never thought I would, but... Uh, yeah, I just miss like going into a green room and being like, oh my God, Heineken, I love Heineken. <laughs> I love the feeling of like walking into one and there being like a really good array of like soft drinks, but also crisps and like dip, like hummus with like different vegetables. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, it really is <laughs> really dull things in life, isn't it? Completely. Like we've never had a rider per se, Um I, but when we went on tour with Soak, they had the same rider every night. And it was like the most elaborate sandwich ingredients you could ever think of. So every venue we went to, we were like, right, what do we have? And like take out the loaf of bread or like baguettes or whatever. And we'd just be there making huge, huge, huge sandwiches. You know what? That's actually such a good thing to have as a rider. Because like you'll never be hungry. You won't have to go on that awful search when you get into a venue for food. That's like the bit that I hate the most, I think. of Like that's just the bit you're like, you don't want to have to trace around the city. You don't know. And also I'm gluten free. So imagine being a gluten free on tour. It makes, <laughs> makes everything a whole lot worse. So different. Yeah. If you knew you were just going to the same event, going to a venue every night and getting the same wonderful like bits pieces you can put in a sandwich i'd just take my own bread it'd be great you could even request gluten-free bread it'd literally be the best (laughs) it'd be ideal 
what has been the album that you've been loving over the last month the last few months what's just an album that's been on repeat for you you can't say your own <laughs> that's not allowed i was going to say my own. <laughs> okay you want me to lie then i understand <laughs> i would say julia jacqueline's crushing even though it's a little bit sad it's a little bit of a sad listen but it is it's the like album that I put on and listen kind of start to finish I think it's really beautiful and I've never seen her live and she played in Dublin like the start of last year not in the middle of the pandemic at a time when I could have gone to see her and I didn't I don't know why kick myself daily for it uh yeah but they're definitely that album and then I just break it up by listening to the by to be honest just smash mouth uh, all-star on repeat because it makes me feel happy nice what has been the thing that you've been doing during the weird old lockdown year we've had what's that your new hobby keep yuppies i've been challenging myself to do keep yuppies i also started skateboarding again which i haven't done since i was a teenager and i live next to a park now and i also live like around all these really smooth streets which are also surrounded by houses but people don't give out to me and so I've been able to skateboard again which is nice and then all the usual stuff like baking banana bread uh going on very long walks yeah just like actually taking photos of the sunset which I know is the most like basic thing in the world I'm obsessed with it I'm completely obsessed with it I'm like oh pink sky oh my god look at the way the light's coming through the trees you know just finding the joy in that has been what's getting me through genuinely that's a really nice answer I really liked that my issue that I have with banana bread is I really like bananas and like I like really like dark brown bananas so we always get to the point that like we're about to make banana bread I just eat them (laughs) everyone gets annoyed at me it's great but I also just like a banana in my breakfast so sometimes you just can't eat the bananas and hope that no one gets really annoyed at you at home, which has been happening to me in the last week because we <laughs> over the bananas. But you win some, you lose some, right? It's not my fault. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for chatting. It's been a really nice way to kind of sandwich my day of making a PDF documents. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, lovely. I love how much we've talked about sandwiches as well. So many sandwiches. So many sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast really hope you enjoyed that episode you can find me over on instagram at emily Vecchio. i'm not going to try and spell it i'm just going to leave it in the show notes that's probably my most asked question is how do you say my surname if you're looking for the rest of the season they're either viewable when you're listening to this or if you go onto my website which is www.emilyanna.net forward slash noisy women's one or noisy women's two you'll find season one and two listed there on those sites has links to all of the guests i've had on so far a bit of a blurb about what the podcast is about and all other good stuff i hope you come back for the next episode and it was lovely to have you here